At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Sid, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here. Hey, thanks for taking some time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Grit Daily Startup Show. You know, Sid, we'd love to talk about the world of startup on this show, the good, the bad, and what we like to call the gritty. Uh, so I'm curious to learn what your experience has been in the world of startup. But before we get into all of that, let's help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and your backstory and what really brought you to present day with what you're you're currently working on. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I started my kind of professional journey straight out of college, uh, you know, started working in a wealth management firm. Uh, I spent, I think, around seven or eight months working there when I kind of realized that, you know, that's not really uh, something I wanted to be in, but I always had an interest in finance, uh, you know, did my degree in economics and finance. So it was always kind of an ambition to be operating in the space of finance. So uh, swiftly made the decision to, you know, uh, stop working at uh, the space I was working in and then kind of move into more institutional finance. Uh, which is where I started working in the investment banking arm of a you know a big four consulting firm. Um, again, you know, spent a whole year there. Uh, I, I kind of got a sense of what the the industry was about and what the job profile would look like, but never kind of satisfied me in terms of what I wanted to do myself and my ambitions in in the space. Uh, luckily for me, around uh, 2017 is you know when I was working at the previous job I was in was uh, when I got introduced to the space of cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, especially because of the the boom and the buzz around uh, the space at the time, and kind of started digging deep, learning a bit more about what it was truly about. And, you know, the more time I spent learning about it, the more it made sense to me that this is this is a technology that's ultimately going to disrupt the very space I was operating in at the time. So kind of, you know, decided to uh, make the leap and and try to, you know, put a bet on the space where thinking that, it would be a good good edge to get started early in the space. Uh, I still consider it early right now, uh, but at the time it definitely was early to to kind of bet on the space. So you know, it was kind of the the educational background that that brought me into this because I was able to recognize kind of uh, the potential for disruption that the space had. And uh, you know, ever since then, I've been uh, building the the current company, which is called Comdex, uh, which is essentially uh, you know building a DeFi infrastructure layer with a suite of DeFi products. Amazing. So if you could break that down, maybe in layman's terms, some people aren't familiar with the with the terms DeFi so much, because this stuff is somewhat new as Web3 uh, is, 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 uh, is, is, well, not just beginning, it's been here for a minute, but for most people trying to understand. So if you could break it down to me, like you were talking to, you know, a five-year-old, um, you know, what exactly does Comdex do and what problems do you solve? Uh, for sure. So, you know, in our everyday lives today, when, in, when you think about what finance means to us, uh, a large part of it is just banking where, you know, you have your money that you work for with the jobs that you do. Uh, you typically trust a bank where you, you know, deposit all your money into a bank and you and you count on them to, you know, always have that money when you need it. 
uh, of course, beyond money, you also do things like investing, where you invest in you know companies, you invest in in uh, debt products, and you can borrow, you can um, you know invest in real estate, and all of these sort of things. Uh, together, all of these activities you know fall into the umbrella of what you can call finance. Uh, what DeFi is is essentially decentralized finance, which is DeFi. So how this how DeFi differs from what we know as finance is that it's ultimately the the decentralization of it. Uh, you know, when you deposit your funds in a bank, uh, you're you're trusting an entity, which is the bank that you you know you you deal with, to kind of custody the funds on your behalf. And as and when you need the funds, you kind of you know kind of do withdrawals with your bank and get your funds out of the bank. Uh, but in the past, in several occasions, you know, we've we've witnessed cases where when multiple uh, when a large set of customers of banks have you know tried to withdraw their funds out of the bank simultaneously. Uh, banks haven't been actually able to, you know, provide them that. And the reason behind that is uh, we as customers of the bank don't have complete visibility into what the banks are doing with the funds we deposit with them. So there's not a whole lot of transparency that goes on in, in the banking system, the way it operates right now. And this is true, not just for banking, but for all of finance that we kind of deal with. You know, a lot of times we outsource the 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 element of trust into third parties, whether they're, you know, things like auditors or, or just generally any entity that we tend to assign trust to when it comes to uh, trying to understand what's happening with our finances when we deposit them or, uh, you know, custody them with with any third party. So the whole movement of crypto began with kind of the ideology of self-custody, where as long as I have one Bitcoin in my wallet at any given point in time, if I want to withdraw that one Bitcoin from my wallet, the wallet will always be able to give that one Bitcoin to me. And why can I say that so confidently? It's because it's a fully transparent system. I can always verify that that one Bitcoin that I deposited into my wallet is still there at any given time. And only I can withdraw it when I want to. And that in itself is a very powerful thing because once you kind of extrapolate this technology and this capability into the realm of finance where, you know, when it comes to something like investing, we we trust, uh, you know, uh, financial institutions that we uh, give our money and and you essentially kind of you know trust them to uh, buy those assets or securities on your behalf. Uh, you you never truly know if what money you gave them to buy those securities or assets is truly being utilized for that. And you can only the only way to find out is when you try to withdraw. Um, a lot of times banks can handle withdrawals because you know it's never large enough. But when large enough, some of people try to withdraw them uh, is when banks get under stress and then. You know, we've we've witnessed it several times before where they fail to do that. So, in that regard, decentralized finance or DeFi is kind of creating a whole alternative financial system, which provides you access to all the things that you know finance is supposed to provide access to, but in a more transparent manner. So, when any of us deal with anything in the DeFi side of things, when you put money into it, to to put it in absolute simple terms, um, at every given point during the transaction or at every given point in your you know kind of interaction with that entity you can transparently check and verify whether that money still sits where it's supposed to sit and it only moves so long as you you know instruct it to be moved from that place and and that in itself unlocks huge potential for for you know all of us as people who deal with finance in our day-to-day -day lives it's especially more powerful and more impactful for people who you know belong to jurisdictions or countries where uh, you know, established entities and institutions aren't as strong. Uh, you know, for us, fortunately, uh, in the world that we live in, especially in some of the countries we live in, like the US and, and whatnot, 
the, the structures of, of finance are still robust enough that we can kind of rely on them not to you know collapse on us. But unfortunately for us, you know, there's a few folks who, who belong to parts of the world where the financial system is not as strong as it is for us. So, you know, they have typically very weak currencies that inflate at very high rates and, and the banking system is a mess. And typically these are the people that, you know, are unbanked, if you will. And DeFi is essentially a movement to kind of democratize that whole access to finance and kind of bank the unbanked with a much more transparent alternative system. Great. That's an excellent uh, explanation. I've never actually heard it explained that way. I've heard bits and pieces of that, but that was a great way to really break it down for someone who's never heard of this world. Of course, a lot of our audience is, is familiar with the world of Web3, but it's always important to make sure that, uh, you know, we're making sure everybody understands um, you know, exactly the conversations that we get to have here uh, on the show. So w- when did you guys launch Comdex? So we actually started building Comdex back in 2018. Uh, our original conceptualization for what Comdex was that we wanted to build a product that essentially serves the commodities trading industry, uh, which is you know one of the largest industries and one of the oldest industries out there. It's a 17 trillion dollar industry globally, uh, and, and it's also uh, you know the industry that currently suffers the most when it comes to lack of transparency, lack of trust, and, and generally inefficiency in the way things are you know conducted in that space. So we started our, our journey building in that space because you know, we, we believe that the end game of this technology, which is blockchain technology, is to you know, touch the everyday lives. And, and what better way to do it than through touching the supply chain that we all rely on. Uh, as we kind of ventured into that journey, you know, we launched our first application back in 2019, uh, which onboarded around 18 uh, you know, institutional users from across Southeast Asia. Uh, th- that application supported, you know, just general trading of commodities, which are real world assets represented on chain and uh, trading in the form of exchanges, which were settled by payments in the banking rails. But of course, to fulfill our vision of, you know, kind of truly uh, decentralizing the system and democratizing it for everyone, we realized that, you know, relying on banking for payments and financing was still not futuristic enough and not decentralized enough to impact the space that we, the way that we wanted to. And that's when we kind of realized that the offering that we're working on needs to evolve beyond just the first product we built. So we then started focusing on a chain, a a blockchain of its own, uh, which is capable of housing or creating any kind of, you know, DeFi or finance application, uh, which can serve, you know, mom and pop users like ourselves and also institutional users that are, you know, large banks and funds that are present across the world. And that's when we started working on the Comdex chain, which we launched in November 2021. Uh, since then, you know, we've launched three applications on top of our chain. One is a stablecoin application. One is for lending borrowing. And there's another one for a DEX, which is a decentralized exchange. Amazing. So what are you guys excited about for 2023? Um, th- there's a lot to be excited about. You know, all the three applications I just spoke about, they just went live, uh, you know, a little over a month or two months ago now. So there's a, there's a lot we're working on in terms of kind of constantly taking feedback from our users and trying to improve the user experience of these applications. Um, in terms of, you know, what what I think about 2023, uh, of course, the last year, 2022 was, uh, you know, quite a rough year for everyone in the crypto space. We witnessed a lot of, uh, you know, large scale collapses. Uh, we saw the thing, we saw a collapse of the, the UST and, and Terra Luna ecosystem. Uh, we saw the collapse of FTX, Celsius, Voyager. Uh, but in all of these collapses, there was a hidden lesson for all of us where, uh, especially collapses like, you know, FTX, Celsius, Voyager, which are highly centralized systems that it kind of strengthens our conviction in building decentralized systems when you see centralized systems fail uh, again and again. So it excites me now in 2023 that, uh, you know, despite all of the kind of rough events that we witnessed in the past year, 
uh, everyone's kind of learned the lesson in terms of realizing and recognizing the power or, or the strength of the the technology that we're building. So what excites me is to finally kind of be, you know, uh, kind of get a, I would say, confirmation or, or validation for our hypotheses of building this and to truly test it out now in the market with the products that we're releasing, especially, uh, you know, the ones that have already released and then also uh, some of the future ones that we we're currently working on. That's exciting. So when we think about the world of startup, what would you say the worst part of the startup process is? Um, I wouldn't categorize it as the worst, but I would call it the hardest. Uh, the hardest, I would say, is, uh, you know, building complete alignment within a team. But it's also probably the most important uh, element of it. Um, when I, I think of a startup as kind of like a chariot that's, you know, dragged by horses and and each horse needs to kind of put in its effort to, you know, drag that chariot along uh, in terms of putting its effort. And of course, the chariot can only ever be as fast as the slowest horse in, that's dragging it. So the the focus uh, of, of, I think, running a startup well is every member that's, you know, contributing to it should should want to put in their 100% and should have complete alignment in doing that. And I think the way to build that alignment is firstly to build everyone's, uh, you know, wavelengths uh, in terms of how they communicate with one another to make it more efficient. But it's also to do with kind of, uh, you know, giving everyone that sense of ownership into the company and into the tasks that they perform or, you know, the, the jobs that they pick up. Because ultimately, when everyone's kind of, uh, you know, responsible to themselves and they take accountability to themselves, is when a when a startup functions like a well-oiled engine. So I think getting to that stage is probably the hardest part of it. But once you get there, it's, it's also the most uh, rewarding and fruitful thing to do. Absolutely. And what would you say the... Um most grittiest part of the startup process is? The grittiest part of it is, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of, uh, it really depends on uh, on the individual journeys of every person who's building a startup. Uh, each one will have a unique journey in their, in the, in their own regards. Um, of course, for, for us, I think the, the grittiest part of it has to be to maintain the same degree of, you know, energy, freshness, motivation, and and kind of uh, power to to go in every day and day in and day out over a long period of time. Uh, of course, there's always the element of you know being feeling a bit burnt out, feeling a bit uh, tired, or you know lacking motivation on some days. But it's just the just trying to kind of you know power through all of that and just still deliver at the same level consistently is is kind of the grittiest part. So I think cons- maintaining consistency has to be um, what I'd call the grittiest part of, of you know being in the startup world. Absolutely. Well, Sid, it's been great to, to meet you and learn more about what uh, you've built. I want to encourage you to keep up the great work. It's clear that you're passionate and excited about what you do. So thanks again for taking some time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Grit Daily Startup Show. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, I think, uh, you know, anyone who's kind of uh, listening to this podcast, you know, trying to think about, let's say, venturing into the startup space, venturing into crypto, entering into decentralized finance. Um, I think a big part of truly, you know, realizing your dream and and fulfilling it or kind of seeing it to fruition is a lot to do with just taking initiative yourself. Uh, you can never wait for things to kind of align for you to take action. Um, my co-founder, you know, always says this, it's a um, if not us, who, and if not now, when? So I think that's kind of the the major takeaway. That really is. That's always great advice and uh, always great to be reminded of. Thanks again for your time, Sid. Uh, wishing you guys the best. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You, you got it. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. 
you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Head into your local Safeway for great spring savings throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get yellow peaches or nectarines for the member price of $1.88 per pound. Also this week at Safeway, value packs of Signature Farms chicken drumsticks, thighs, leg quarters, or picnic packs are buy one, get one free. Plus, get value packs of USDA Choice Boneless Beef Top Sirloin Steak for the member price of $4.99 per pound. Visit Safeway.com, download the Safeway for you app, or head in store to find more great deals at Safeway.